Hey, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Third Down Conversion Podcast. I'm joined now by Bleacher Report editor Ian Kenyon. Uh, Ian, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's a lot to to get through. NFL draft is finished up. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Green Bay. I know a team you're passionate about. Not exactly thrilled about right now, but... Uh, overall, what did you think of the three-day virtual draft as far as the the product that they put together for fans? I was really impressed, to be honest. I thought it could be a disaster, but it turned out really well. It actually went just as smooth as any other typical year. And, I mean, it seemed like leading up that there was a lot of worry about, you know, technical glitches or someone hacking into stuff. But, I mean, there was no no delays on any part and I thought it was really well done by you know ESPN NFL Network ABC um, putting on a really good broadcast given all all things considered so I think the star of the of the draft might have been Bill Bill Belichick's dog he got yeah, a lot, he got a lot of airtime yeah uh, so as far as the draft, obviously, you know, I, like you, was concerned about the possibility of glitches or, you know, we heard the reports of, you know, kids on the Wi-Fi or an Ethernet cord being unplugged, you know, and those are some of the concerns. And, you know, I was thinking chaos and then it's going through the draft and you get the first 10 picks and there's no chaos. And I was like, where's the entertainment? I, I, I was expecting a lot of chaos here. Yeah, and there were no trades either. Like, I thought we might see a bunch of trades go on. Um, now that you have all these guys in their homes, you know, just making phone calls, they're not in, like, a giant war room with a bunch of people. You got none of that. So, I mean, to be honest, the first half of the first round is quite boring. So, Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, Joe Burrow went number one. I know we were all shocked by that. And then the most unsurprising news of the day – Andy Dalton gets released, confirming that it's Joe Burrow's team, but I think we all knew that. Um, and then, obviously, you had some of the surprises rolling down the draft. What was your biggest surprise, like your biggest takeaway as far as surprising in round one? I thought Green Bay taking Jordan Love was the biggest surprise. I I guess I wasn't as surprised they took him. I was surprised that they moved up for him. Like, I thought that was – uh, a big surprise on that level. Like I thought if he was left on the board at 30 and they could sell it to the fan base, you know, Hey, he fell to a tier. We're just going to take him. But they actually like aggressively went up to get him. I mean, they only went up four spots to 26, but uh, they still gave up a fourth round pick and we're trying to outbid the Colts to get there. Um, I was shocked that they did that with four years left on Aaron Rodgers' deal. Yeah, that, that's the tough one. I, I think that was a big surprise to some. You know, I had mentioned on a couple podcasts, I had heard rumblings that that Green Bay really liked Love. So, I, you know, him, I even mentioned them trading up for him. I, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, them or the Colts were the two that I kind of looked at as as possible trade-up. Uh, to get him. Uh, I was still shocked they did that. And obviously the big surprise in the draft being the fact that 
Green Bay didn't address wide receiver one bit when it seemed like, you know, anytime that you listen to anybody who covered Green Bay, uh, it was all about getting Aaron Rodgers help. And it just felt like they didn't give him any help whatsoever. If anything, it, it almost felt like they made the team worse by the way that they drafted. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they really helped their case at all. And not to gloss over the love Rogers situation, but I did want to go back to one other pick that really surprised me was Damon Arnett to the Raiders at 19. I thought that guy was a, you know, mid to late second type of player. He's 24 years old. Took him a while to start at Ohio State and ran four, five, six. Was not expecting him to go in the top 20 of the draft. I was shocked the Raiders took him that high. Yeah, it was just another one of those unsuspected moves, uh, you know, that allowed uh, other players to slide down the board that I was certainly wasn't uh thinking would happen um and so i guess you would say the so your biggest takeaway right now who had the best draft as far as improving their football team uh over the three days i think the team who had the best draft was the cowboys i mean they hit all their needs they got value i mean landing cd lamb at 17 is a great pick getting Teron Diggs at 51, who people thought they could consider at 17, even better. And then I thought a steal, I mean, I might be a little biased as a Wisconsin fan, but getting Tyler Biotish at 146 is incredible value. He was talked about as a potential first rounder heading into the season, battled injuries a little bit, and now he can step in for Travis Frederick. So I thought that was a great pick by them as well. Yeah, that was that was a to me was surprising because even going into the draft, even after all the injuries and everything, I felt Tyler Biadish was a top one hundred player. Um, me know, too. I, 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 was, I was thinking first three rounds he was going to be there, and then he's still sitting there on day three, and the Cowboys trade up for him. You know, obviously a majority of the people that listen to this podcast can be Cowboy fans, so they'll they like hearing about people grading their their draft well. Uh, but he was a guy that I thought was top one hundred. Uh, you know, they actually walked away with about five players I had as top 100 talents. Um, when you talk about Lamb and, and you know, Gallimore, I thought was a top 100 talent. Uh, obviously, Diggs, Beatish. Um, you could throw in Reggie Robinson in there. You know, he was a fringe top 100 for me. And then, you know, talk about Bradley and I, who I really liked. And people look at those numbers and, and say, oh, his 40 was terrible. But I still think he was one of the more technically savvy, you know, pass rushers. And the fact that they got him where they got him, um, just up and down, you know, they went with best player available and it lined up perfectly with their needs. Yeah, and they did a great job in undrafted free agency, too. Like, they pounded their needs. They went out and signed uh, a bunch of receivers, Courtney Davis, um, Aaron Parker, Kendrick Rogers. They got a uh, couple couple of tight ends and Sean McKeon and Charlie Tomopio, who, I mean, these are guys who could have been drafted sixth, seventh round. They got some decent value there in undrafted free agency. And I saw Reese Hassan put out his uh, consensus ranks for undrafted free agency and the Cowboys, like, far and away the best undrafted haul. So 
for them to get the best draft haul and then the best undrafted haul is a great weekend for them. It definitely was. Yeah, the, the Courtney Davis one was a weird one because he originally was reported he signed with the Cowboys, but he actually ended up signing with Minnesota. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, last that was a last second deal because I I originally thought he was you know there and they end up with another Aggies wide receiver, but you know he he eventually ended up in Minnesota. Uh, so let's let's talk about the the Aaron Rodgers thing for a moment. Uh, obviously, Brett Favre had plenty comments to say on it, and so what does that do uh, for the psyche of of Aaron Rodgers and? Do you think this kind of gets him to the point where he's ready to leave Green Bay? Well, I don't think Favre's comments have anything to do with Rodgers, but I it's hard to know what Favre is saying, how much of it is conjecture, and how much of it is him kind of speaking on behalf of Aaron. And as far as where it goes for Aaron from here, I think – I think he's got to be hurt by it. I mean, it's they basically put a clock on his time in Green Bay, and I would be really confused if I were Aaron. They just gave him an extension. They, you know, are trying to win a Super Bowl. They were in that championship game last year. Now you're getting conflicting signals where they're trading up to draft your replacement. You have four years left on your contract. They don't address receiver. I mean, I would be confused and quite frankly pissed, but I mean, I'm not Aaron Rodgers and who knows how he's handling it. He might be completely fine with it. Um, One thing that I talked about with some friends after the draft was uh, he knows the ins and outs of the offense that LaFleur is trying to run better than I do, better than any of us do. Um, He might look at the draft picks and see Josiah DeGuerra and A.J. Dillon and the offensive linemen they drafted and say, you know, hey, this fits exactly the scheme that we're running. This is, I didn't get receivers, but this is going to help us score points. So there's a possibility that he sees the bigger picture that's going on, but we don't know that. So um, I would, I'm interested to see what happens the next time Aaron speaks to the media, though. Yeah, that I think will be must-watch TV. You know, people are, you know, that was a lot of it. Um, a little bit of a, another surprising pick I wanted to touch on, the Jalen Hurts selection in round two for the Eagles when obviously they're needing wide receiver help in a very deep class. And while, yes, they did address wide receiver a little later on, uh, were you shocked at all when they took Jalen Hurts where they took him? I was really surprised and I was disappointed to be honest because I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan and I wanted to see him start um I don't think he's going to get a chance to start in Philadelphia unless Carson Wentz gets hurt and that's too bad because I think he's a good good talent and you don't want to root for Wentz to get hurt at all so um kind of a disappointing landing spot for him but given the history of Carson Wentz's health I it does make sense to me if you're the Eagles to have an insurance plan. And it's not like they went out and traded up to get them in the first round or anything. They stepped back and took them at 53. Um, I'm totally fine with that pick. And, you know, if he doesn't get a lot of playing time right away, 
maybe they can recoup a third for him in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that seems to be a thing that happens more and more now in the NFL is teams drafting, you know, quarterbacks, grooming them, bringing them along, and then trading them for draft capital in the future. Obviously, we saw that with, you know, New England. It seems like they do that quite often. So it wasn't a shock at all. Yeah, I mean, I would have had more issue with it, you know, had they taken them at, you know, 20 or any quarterback in like the 20 to 35 range. But taking them at the end of the second round isn't too big of a deal. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. What about a team like uh, Cleveland? How how much do you think that they improved with their draft? I thought they had a really nice draft. They went out and got a two great players off the bat um, with Jedrick Wills and Grant Delpit. Wills was offensive tackle one for most of the off season. Um, just didn't happen that way on draft day, but he should be, you know, a franchise pillar at left tackle for them protecting Baker Mayfield. And then Grant Delpit, who uh, was a, at one point thought of as a potential top 10 pick kind of, fell down boards a little bit this year and ends up going at 44. That's, that's great value for them. So I thought they did quite well. And then I really liked getting Donovan Peoples-Jones um, in the sixth round where at that point, you're just looking for athletic standouts and he's a 99th percentile athlete and 21 years old, exactly the type of people you should be taking you know, risks on, on day three. So I thought they did really well. Yeah, it was interesting because when I do some of my draft work, I pulled up Donovan Peoples-Jones. I wanted to get a feel for him. I had heard a lot of hype around him. And I'm watching some of his games, and I'm like, this guy's got talent. Like, I don't understand why he's not being, you know, thought of higher. And the more games I watch the Michigan, and I'm watching that quarterback, and I'm like, oh, it's hard to get a good feel for him when you got Shader Patterson he's throwing to you. Exactly. Yeah, they're the Michigan quarterback situation was so bad for Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black and the rest of those receivers, but um, he'll immediately step into a lot better situation. But you do have to worry about someone who had 1,300 career yards in college in three years as a 99th percentile athlete. You know what? It's got to be more than quarterback play at that point. So I see why. Oh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have liked them in round two, but when you get to round six, that's exactly the guy you should be taking. So, Yeah, there was a a tight end, I think it was Sean McKeon, who also played there at Michigan. He ended up signing with the Cowboys, a guy that I was excited about, but again, another guy I was just kind of like, you know, it was tough for me to really gauge, but seemed like a good blocking guy. I like him. Uh, yeah, Michigan's got to figure out something with that quarterback situation if they want to at all compete with Ohio State because, uh, as we all know, Ohio State year in and year out is loaded full of NFL talent. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's not even a rivalry. Ohio State's just running over them year after year. So uh, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, so, what are the some of the things that you're now that we have this behind us? You know maybe some of the teams that you're looking forward to see kind of how it shakes out moving forward with, with the new prospects and, and the, all the draft picks being announced. Yeah. Some of the teams I'm, I'm really excited to see the Bengals. I mean, they have a really fun offense now with 
Joe Burrow throwing to AJ Green and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and John Ross, like that could be a really fun offense. And we haven't said that about the Bengals in forever. Yeah. And also the Dolphins, now that they've got Tua, um, they've, they're building a really nice foundation there by drafting, you know, a lot of offensive line, defensive line help and quarterback. They're, they're not the sexiest team because they're not getting out and drafting running backs and receivers and tight ends, but uh, they're building a really solid foundation there. And then lastly, the, the Raiders, I'm really intrigued to see what they look like now that they added Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden. That offense should be completely transformed now. And uh, they, yeah, well, they have uh, Marcus Mariota now backing up uh, Derek Carr. And I think he has a shot to beat out Derek Carr. And that offense could be completely different next year than it was last year. Yeah, when I look at the Raiders' new team, I'm like, whoa, shout out to Al Davis. That's a throwback team right there. Kind of felt like with some of the picks they were making. Very similar to what Al Davis would do in the NFL draft, taking, you know, team speed. Yeah, and speaking of that, I can't pass on giving the opportunity here to talk about the Broncos. Like, they're going to be fun as hell next year now that they have uh, Drew Locke throwing to uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, and Noah Font, and then Melvin Gordon at running back. That entire AFC West is going to be loaded next year. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. We talked about, you know, we talked about some of those teams. One of the teams that I'll mention, uh, how about Baltimore? I mean, you added oh, J.K. Yeah. Dobbins to that team. You added Devin Duvernay to that team. Uh, yeah, it just seems like everybody, especially in the AFC, especially the West and then Baltimore, it feels like everybody's just, you know, loading up to go after Kansas City. Yeah, and Baltimore did a really good job trying to replace Marshall Yonda, too, by adding Tyra Terry Phillips and Ben Bredesen, who, you know, those guys are huge offensive guard prospects. Um, and I love the Dobbins fit. That's a perfect fit because he ran those RPO zone reads constantly at Ohio State. And that's exactly what he's going to run with Lamar Jackson. Yep. yep. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm, it's probably not a hard question. Who's going to be number one overall draft pick next year? Trevor Lawrence, so long as it's a quarterback needy team. If it's not a quarterback needy team, I hopefully I can pronounce his name right. Hannah Sewell, he should probably be number one. Uh, offensive lineman from Oregon. Yep. 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 Yeah, definitely. The offensive, it seems like it's either offensive tackle or quarterback, typically near the top. You could say defensive end. Uh, if you got a guy up there, like I think in a normal draft, if the Bengals, aren't drafting number one and it's, you know, Washington, I think Chase Young's the number one overall pick. Yeah, I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, even if it's not a quarterback needy team, someone's going to trade into that spot for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And it's funny. I was talking with Mark Schofield uh, the other day about it and he said, Whatever happens when it comes down to towards the end of the season, if New England's doing terrible, he said teams should just lay down and let New England win because if you allow them to get Trevor Lawrence, you did it to yourself. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it it's. I, I just laughed at that comment a little bit because I was like, yeah, it's true because that's not a uh, a team or especially not a situation that I'd want them to get 
you know, Trevor, after we've dealt with, you know, two decades worth of Tom Brady. And so how weird do you think it's going to be? Or I guess I should say, which situation do you think is going to be more weird to watch? You have Gronk and Tom Brady down in Tampa or watching Phillip Rivers taking snaps in Indianapolis? Tom Brady in Tampa by far to me. Like, I, to me, that's going to be so weird after watching Tom Brady you know, play in New England for the last 20 years and win Super Bowls. And I mean, Phillip Rivers has had a great career with the Chargers, but it's going to be crazy to see Tom Brady playing in my or in Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms. So that's that's so strange to me. Yeah, it definitely is a strange one. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that I could pick it any different, but I mean, it's still to me is going to be weird seeing Philip Rivers wearing Colts, but uh, definitely going to be weird. And it'll be interesting to see if if Philip Rivers goes to Indianapolis and leads them to the playoffs, uh, just how salty Charger fans are going to be. Yeah, I think he has a good chance too. The Colts should be pretty good this year. It should be pretty good. All right, Ian, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Make sure you follow Ian at Ian, Ian Kenyon NFL. Check out everything that he's doing over at Bleacher Report. Thanks, buddy. Yep, thanks for having me on.